that uh, because of these actions, uh, all of our nations are more peaceful and more secure and more prosperous. Uh, and it underscores the enduring friendship and partnership between the United States uh, and the countries that are represented around this table. Thank you for your hospitality. The President of the United States speaking in Riyadh, and again, he will move to London uh, today in celebration of the Queen's birthday uh, as well. We'll have continuing coverage by our government and our global government team on the President's trip uh, throughout all of our Bloomberg uh, platforms. Uh, Draghi is speaking. Michael, the euro moves decidedly stronger. We didn't get to a 114. But what I really noted, Mike, was the adjustment in German yields, the two-year yield from 19 pips and the 10-year to 0.231. Not a big move, but on a volatility basis, that was quite a move, quite a shift. Yeah, uh, for a bank that didn't do anything, a significant uh, market impact, it looks like people are disappointed in uh, what the ECB is doing and or saying, uh, that they're not trying to move mm-hmm. the currency more. And so uh, the reaction goes the other way. That's having an impact. Uh, the the German button is also interesting because, of course, Germany has been very critical of Draghi mm-hmm. and his policies, and he was asked about that today. Yeah. And uh, they gave a strong defense of the independence of ECB. All right, the, the present headlines uh, were on the Italian bank, and right now he shifts back to helicopter money. Draghi refuses to be drawn out on the legality of helicopter money. We thank George Savarellis of Deutsche Bank for wonderful perspective. Uh, look for that out on all of our audio platforms. David Wilson has to still helicopter money. I guess the money helicoptered into Detroit five, eight, ten years ago, and now they, it's not helicopter money, it's pickup money. It pick is. Truck money. You certainly got a pickup going on at General Motors. No question there. I mean, the stock's up about 3% in early trading. The automaker's first quarter earnings and revenue exceeded analyst average estimates in the Bloomberg survey. GM had a record profit in North America and improved results in the rest of the world, which in some cases meant smaller losses. Verizon's down 2.5%. The phone company's first quarter profit uh, matched the average estimate. Sales were lower than projections. The results were hurt by Verizon's dependence on tablet computer promotions to keep its place as the number one U.S. wireless carrier. Qualcomm down 2%. The mobile phone chip maker's second quarter earnings and revenue forecasts were only in line with estimates, though first quarter results came out ahead. Qualcomm executives said on a conference call that they expect to lose some parts orders for Apple's iPhone. Uh, Verizon, I should point out, one of three companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average that reported since late yesterday. Another one, American Express, up 2.5%. The biggest U.S. credit card issuer by purchases posted first quarter profit and revenue that beat estimates as customers increased spending. The other one is Travelers, and that stock's down 3%. The insurer's operating profit for the first quarter failed to meet estimates as catastrophe costs rose, uh, including a hailstorm in Texas that uh, they had to pay out claims on. Investment income fell on lower returns from hedge funds. Elsewhere, Biogen's up 1%. The drug maker's first quarter earnings beat estimates. Cost cuts offset falling sales of Biogen's biggest seller, the multiple sclerosis drug Tecfidera. Union Pacific turning to transportation up 2%. First quarter earnings beat estimates as uh, price increases and cost cutting uh, 
outweighed a drop in demand. Southwest Airlines up 2.5%. The carrier reported first quarter profit to beat estimates thanks to lower fuel costs and sustained demand. United Continental, on the other hand, is down 3.5%. First quarter revenue for each mile and seat flown fell about 7.5% from a year earlier. One more. And United expects a comparable decline in the second quarter. That's it? Las Vegas Sands. Yes. I'll give you that one. Earnings at the world's largest operator of casinos fell more than analysts expected in the first quarter. They suffered from a slump in their biggest market, Macau, the Chinese city. Uh, the Las Vegas Sands down 8%. Other casino stocks down as well. MGM Resorts up 25 or down 2.5%. Wynn Resorts down 2%. David Wilson, thank you so much. The president continues to speak in Riyadh, and we'll monitor that for important headlines. Mario Draghi continues to speak, which means it's a good time to speak with William Lee of Citigroup. Uh, Bill, give me an update on the global feel from you and Fortress Bowder. Um, what, what is our probability of global recession, or is that diminishing? Well, it's the economy seems to be looking a little bit better because the market seems to have calmed down, and the markets themselves have been a source of tremendous headwind both here and abroad. So, so I think our house call is still one of it's better than even money that we're going to see we're going to be in a global recession this year, which means two percent growth or lower. But the the speed at which we will be heading down that path has seemed to have slowed a bit. So, so I think it's 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 uh, it's impressive that, for example, Mario Draghi has been talking so extensively about give the policy some time to work. And I think my reaction to that is, well, it's beginning to sound like a hope and a prayer. Well, it uh, certainly seems from the market reaction that that's the case because the euro gained almost a a full figure. And look at oil prices have completely reversed, uh, and they're down now. Uh, People seem disappointed in what the ECB didn't do and Mario Draghi didn't say. Well, what, what are we expecting, honestly, Mike, from Mario and, and from Janet and from uh, Corona? Uh, we're expecting miracles, and, and I think we can all agree on one thing. Monetary policy cannot make growth. It cannot create growth out of nothing. All monetary policy can do is, as Draghi said, I'm buying you time. Please put in some structural reforms because that's the source of growth. All monetary policy is doing is moving growth around. If I depreciate the currency, I'm taking it away from whoever's appreciating. If I lower interest rates, I'm trying to take take growth from the future and bring it into today. So all I can do is move it around until we get structural policies to really give us sustainable, real productivity and real growth. Tom, I'm imagining, as uh, Bill says, that uh, Billy Crystal is uh, Miracle Max in The Princess (laughs) Bride. It's a... Excuse me. It's a most unusual time. And you see it within unusual uh, headlines. Draghi, exchange rate, no policy target, but an important factor. Billy, where does Chair Yellen want the dollar? Where does Chair Draghi want the euro? And that's where you see the tension, right? I mean, if, if, if we're relying on monetary policy to get growth, that means Chair Yellen is saying, well, you're not going to take it from me, so I want the dollar to stay exactly where it is. You've already pushed it up by 20%. You've already cost me, the U.S., about a percentage point of growth, which will take about another year or two to dissipate. And, and, and so with the growth that you've taken from us, what have you done with it? And I think that, and, and where Draghi is saying, we need a little more. We need a little more time because clearly the political impact here in Europe is so severe, it's unlikely we're going to get those structural reforms soon. Interesting headline from Draghi. It answers uh, one of the questions you put, Tom, to George Saravelis. He says there doesn't seem to be any in- indication that negative rates have hurt banks' net interest income. Uh, so th- th- why not just continue with the policy they're, they're doing or even go more negative, Bill? 
Well, I think that's that's sort of the the the, the, the fallacy uh, that um, I think they're living under, which is that the financial system can somehow survive all of this margin compression. I was just at a major insurance company yesterday, and their main concern was we have asset liability mismatches. In other words, we're, we're, we have all these annuities and all these promises to pay returns, and we don't have the assets that have the earning power to support that. We see corporates uh, raising uh, uh, money like crazy. They're issuing a lot of debt, and what are they doing with it? 60 cents out of every dollar is given back to the shareholder in the form of dividends and stock buybacks. We've got a distorted financial market now, so distorted by these zero-rate policies and negative-rate policies that the big the big danger that's ahead of us is that the capital markets are no longer allocating capital. It's, it's almost impossible to find where to put yeah. capital so that they earn a positive and a real rate of return. We continue with William Lee of Citigroup. Michael, think about the next angle you want to take with so much going on. Mario Draghi continues uh, to speak. The president's remarks just ended, but he will move to another press conference. We can see it from our studios in New York with a wide set of um, Arab nation flags uh, behind uh, the lectern, uh, Michael, with the American flag, uh, obviously front and center with the president's visit. So we look forward to his comments there. Why don't you continue, Michael, a little bit more with Bill Lee? Yeah, well, you, uh, continuing on with what you were just saying, Bill, are the central banks then having sort of the effect they want because you can't get a return anywhere, so you are taking chances, you are taking on more risk and would that be good for markets well, in the economy? Well, Mike, you know, if, if you're taking a bet and saying that um, we're, we're going to try to stimulate growth, and, 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 and regardless of what happens to the banking system, well, when you look at places like Europe and Japan that are so bank dependent, that's really playing uh, an awfully uh, risky game because that's your main channel for monetary policy transmission. At least here in the U.S., we've got uh, capital markets that are able to supplement the bank lending and are able to somehow maybe move capital around. But even there, with spreads as, as compressed as they are, it's very hard to find an efficient allocation. One of the things that I did um, last week was I downgraded the U.S. outlook even further. And, and the reason behind that is because Chair Yellen has given us a sense that we are looking at financial markets looking at us. In other words, the feedback loop from monetary policy to the markets back to monetary policy again has gotten so severe that monetary policy is no longer anchored to macro fundamentals. And in that sort of situation, the level of uncertainty rises. And, and as you guys know, I, I've done a lot of research using this economic policy uncertainty index that right. the, the research at Stanford have done. And, and, and I re-estimated consumption function. I re-estimated investment equations. And, and it's amazing how much headwind okay. generated. Let's come and, back. And, Bill Lee with us. We'll continue this discussion on important economic metrics. Draghi speaks, and the president will speak in a bit. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. President Obama is pressing Arab allies to increase their support for the besieged Iraqi government as it battles the Islamic State group. President Obama, who is in Saudi Arabia, met this morning with top officials from six Arab nations to address the conflicts in Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. And the president will address a news conference shortly. Iraqi officials have begun identifying bodies recently found in two mass graves in the western city of Ramadi. Five of the victims are a policeman, his wife and son, and two security personnel. 
32 bodies have been exhumed so far. Earlier this week, Islamic State militants under arrest led authorities to the mass graves inside the city's soccer stadium. Celebrations are going on for Britain's Queen Elizabeth, who is celebrating her 90th birthday today. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael Barr, thanks so much. The Euro, 113.85, stronger Euro, weaker dollar, off the early Draghi comments. From New York and worldwide, coast to coast. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Market drivers brought to you by NYCB. Ask about their My Community Interest checking with free NYCB online and mobile banking. Earn more, get more. Visit nycbfamily.com for details. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are little changed amid a mix of corporate earnings that fail to provide a clearer picture on the health of the economy. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Again, futures little change. The DAX in Germany is down four-tenths percent. CAC in Paris down six-tenths percent. FT100 down seven-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury down eight-thirty seconds. The yield 1.87 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.80 percent. NYMEX crude oil down nine-tenths percent or 39 cents to 43.78 a barrel. Comex Gold is up six tenths percent or seven dollars twenty cents to twelve sixty one sixty an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen seventy eight. The yen one oh nine point six four. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thank you. Nine eighteen uh, this morning. The headlines finally get most interesting. First of all, the president speaking in Riyadh. His press conference. We will monitor those headlines. The president says friendship with Gulf countries consistent. He says the new government in Libya has a chance to organize itself. Michael, the Draghi headlines, they're both speaking at the same time. We choose to focus on uh, the ECB. Uh, there it is on Germany. And finally, Michael, as we go to Bill Lee of Citigroup, uh, on negative rates and folding it right into the German pension issues. Yeah, the uh, Germans have been critical of extremely low rates and lately have been uh, talking about the penalty it puts on savers. Right. Uh, Draghi suggesting that uh, they understand that, but it is better for everybody if they have uh, low and negative right. rates. He also notes that real rates, if you look at real rates, the difference is much less dramatic. Now, there it is. Bill Lee is with Citigroup with a wonderful tenure at the International Monetary Fund. Dr. Lee, uh, it's in our econ textbooks. It's Chapter 23, and that is a linkage of economics over to banking and then over to the people that actually walk in the bank doors. How critical is the German-led criticism that negative rates ruin savers? I think they're spot on. In fact, you know, one of the crackpot, um, one of the assignments that every young economist gets at the Fed is to answer crackpot letters. And one of the crackpot letters they used to get was, you know, if the chairman would only raise rates, I would be able to spend more because my interest earning assets would earn more and I'd be able to spend more. And why doesn't it help, why doesn't it help the economy to raise rates? And it used to be that, well, you know, the job destruction with the higher rates is more than what you would be spending from yeah. your higher assets. Well, you know, Tom, 
the answer is now different. I, I, I did some estimates showing that the amount of financial assets people now hold and the fact that we have older people, much more older people with these financial assets, if you raise rates, you actually will right. move to GDP. And I think that's one of the things that I think is being ignored, that the textbook's answer is no longer holding. And in the case of Germany, it's even more so because if you keep rates negative, you put the pension funds in legal risk because they no longer are able to fulfill the obligations of paying out the, the annuities that they promised their people. Did you ever answer a letter from Dr. Paul or his son, the senator from Kentucky? <laughs> I, I never saw the signatures. Uh, when I answered the letters, they were sort of generic uh, form letters that we, we then put out to the PR people. But but I must say, uh, I, I, I go back to those uh, to those days, and I think to myself, if I only were there now, I would qualify those answers. <laughs> uh, it, it's sort of follow-on to, to this is, you know, what, where does the Fed go from here? Mario Draghi, the latest headlines, he's suggesting that the ECB is doing the same thing by and large as everyone else and that you know, Jean-Claude Trichet a couple of days ago said he'd do the same as, as Draghi has done. Uh, what does this mean in terms of global central banks and interest rate differentials? Is, is everybody on the same page or is the Fed going to start going back to raising rates? I, I think one of the things that the, all central banks are realizing is that even though their intention is to raise domestic demand, they really are conducting beggar thy neighbor policies, whether they call it that or not. And that's become the new uh, PC way of saying, I'm going to steal your growth. Um, and, and it's for my country. I'm, the, I'm, I'm going to be conducting monetary policy for my country's needs. It, the Fed, I hope, will start to recognize that we need to fix financial markets. We need to allow financial markets to do their job and allocate capital. And the only way to do that is to have rates go up so that people can price risk properly. Now, I don't think the Fed has the courage to do that. I think they have gotten too chicken, and they've gotten too uh, obsessed with trying to calm okay. financial markets. What would happen if they began a hyper-measured modest rate increase to give – the financial system some form of normality. What would happen the next day? You, you just saw what happened. They did that in December, and what happened January and February, right? The, the, the markets went berserk. Okay, they call it global concern. They called it a market reaction to global events. But, you know, I think if the Fed uh, uh, did not put out that, um, uh, that the dot chart showing four rate increases in December, we would not have had those huge market reactions. And, and as a result of that, the uncertainty run, ran up so high, the Fed said, whoops, Forget about anything in March. And then, uh, and in fact, if there's anything, we're going to lower it. And the market is now saying, okay, we got you. And we now know that we can force you to lower the number of planned increases if we start acting, uh, acting up. Well, has the Fed, has the ECB lost credibility? Well, you can see how the, how the markets are reacting to Draghi's statements. I think, I think the markets are also recognizing monetary policy limits have been reached. And what we need now, of course, are structural policies and fiscal policy. And, and, and unfortunately, our political impasse is preventing us from mm-hmm. doing that. So, so the, the, all the central banks are caught between a rock and a hard place. They, of course, want to buy us more time. But unfortunately, the, whatever little bits of time they buy us uh, are being dissipated by the political uh, impasse and political nonsense that's going on. 
Billy, thank you so much. Wrapped around the comments of the president and uh, Mr. Draghi, thrilled to have William Lee of Citigroup uh, with us this morning. Mike, let me get out of the way the president's uh, headlines. Uh, he says a ceasefire in Syria, very fragile. He is told the president says he told Mr. Putin he must hold Syria uh, to account. There's some mentionings of Iran uh, as well. Mike, take it over to Draghi. What do you see from the Draghi headlines right now? Well, it's interesting uh maybe defensiveness from Mario Draghi in defending what the ECB has done. And here's what he says uh, in relation to the whole criticism from the Germans, that a polite, lively debate can allow the ECB to explain issues. I'm, I'm not sure the folks like, at the Bundesbank would consider themselves so polite. Yes, exactly. Um, we're explaining surveillance policy. Here it is right here. Here's the headline following on. Tucker, full colon, a polite, lively debate was had by McKee and Keene over the last guess. Yes. Mm, not likely. <laughs> not likely. We will continue our coverage of the Draghi Press Conference in Frankfurt with our entire European economic team. From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.